It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Am I allowed to say balls to the wall? Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 581. Yeah, that's what it is. 581 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, October the 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. My God, we have so much stuff for you to listen to on the network. If you're an NBA fan... Our season preview, our annual season preview series is out right now. The first episode of that six-part preview where we go through every single division. The Pacific Division is up right now. You can go and check it out. So all the local hosts, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko from the new Rejecting the Screen podcast and Josh Lloyd, all providing takes on all the teams from the Pacific Division. The Atlantic Division show goes on Monday. I am on that one, so make sure you tune in for that on the Locked On NBA feed. And we also have the Locked On NHL network up and running. We have about half the league covered as of right now. We've got a fantasy hockey show. We have Locked On NHL starting next week as well with a cast of rotating hosts. And please stick around to the end of this show. We've already done trailers earlier this week for Locked On Leafs and Locked On Oilers. At the end of today's show, you're going to hear a trailer for Locked On Canadiens with Laura Saba and Scott Matla, and they do a really great job with that show, and you're going to hear a bit of a snippet of it at the end of the show, so stick around for that. All right, on today's show, we are joined by our pal, Big V, Vivek Jacob of Yahoo Sports. How are you, man? Vivek? Are we not? Oh, I, turn, I turned my mic off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that in. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I quickly went to grab something mm. in the kitchen, and I was like, I didn't want the disturbance. Uh. I'll, I'll turn the mic off. And then I came back and just assumed <laughs> it was fine. How's it going, pal? Uh, everything is going good. Um, we have Raptors basketball back, which is nice. I look forward to another... Uh, at least 84 games of Matt Devlin opening with the defending champion Toronto oh. Raptors. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's it's so good. I have I so I did the uh, as I mentioned there, we did previews for the Lockdown NBA show, and in my little seven minute preview, I mentioned twice off the top that the Raptors are the defending NBA champions with extra oomph because. Man, it's, it feels really good to say, and there's only a finite amount of time that we're going to be able to say it, so I'm going to shoehorn it in anywhere I possibly can, because, my God, they're the champions. <laughs> it's, yep. How, like, watching preseason so far, I've just been so content and chill and happy and not at all worried about any of the bad things and just kind of talking myself into all of the good things, and I feel like my... And look, I was always sort of one of the more positive Raptors fans anyway, but I still feel like all Raptors fans had or still have, maybe to some degree, a bit of like a lurking sense of dread that things are going to go terribly at some point. And that's kind of gone for me right now, man. I just, everything that happens that's good, I just assume is going to stay. And if it doesn't stay, that's fine. Whatever. They are the champions. It doesn't matter. And all the bad stuff, I'm just like, yeah, they'll figure it out. It's not a big deal. They're the champs. Is it like... Stupid of me to be giving like the benefit of the doubt to all of these dudes who are having good preseasons, or is it? I don't know. How are you feeling about everything? Are you sort of in the same mindset where maybe the past, you know, gripping fear that Raptors fans permanently existed in is maybe gone? 
Um, yeah, I do agree with that. Uh, I will, as a quick aside, I will say that uh, last night was a little difficult uh, seeing Kawhi for the first time in a Flippers uniform on the court. Didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Muted that shit real quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, he looks great. So uh, that was a little tough. And it's going to take a little bit of getting used to, I guess. But yeah, ra- uh, in terms of the Raptors... I think this is going to be a really, really fun season. There's so many uh, good storylines to follow, uh, whether it's individual players, whether it's the team. And, you know, one thing I think about with teams that have won championships, I've always felt that there always seems to be a little extra belief mm-hmm. among the fans. And so there'll be moments where, you know, they're down 15 or 20 and they'll get a couple buckets, and then all of a sudden the crowd it, it makes it seem like it's a three-point game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that is, for all the great things that the Raptors fan base provides, that's maybe one thing that was lacking mm-hmm. that they'll now have. Because um, let's face it, what are you going to say? They're champs, and even when they lose games, it's going to be like, well, still the champs. So... <laughs> I'm still like I, I'm not gonna be upset while I'm swaddled in my NBA champions hoodie. That, that's it's gonna be hard to feel bad when I look down and see all the very tacky, but all of a sudden in style designs that all the championship gear has. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think um, that sort of uh, lid will be off, and I think you know the fans will go to another level this season. I think that's a, a, an underrated factor. Uh, when the Raptors will, will have playoff games, I fully expect them to make the playoffs, unlike some people. <laughs> and I think that can carry them um, potentially, you know, in a big series and maybe get them a bit further than people expect. Totally. It has been really, really fun watching these games, like the early morning 6 a.m. games, with just all the, you know, adult diehards who get up at 6 a.m. to watch these games along with us. And. Just seeing sort of the brazen confidence and arrogance that is emanating from Raptors fans right now, it's so refreshing, it's so nice, and I would hope that it's going to translate to the season. Of course, Raptors fans are always going to have that, you know, kernel of doubt, I'm sure, in their in their minds, and maybe losing Kawhi sort of enhances that this season in a way that it probably shouldn't for a team that just won a title, but I really think this season we're going to see Raptors fans just really sort of dive into being the arrogant assholes you're supposed to be when you win a title. <laughs> that's that's what I'm really looking forward to, assuming Pascal Siakam is going to be an all-NBA player after he does very good things, which, my God, he looks so good right now. Um, and yes. just, like, just leaning into it, man, because there's only so much time to be able to do it, and things will be different next year, I'm sure, and all these sort of pressing need to for every move and everything to be going towards winning a title will sort of creep back up. But for this year, it's going to be very low stakes, very fun. And also I think they're going to be really, really good. And a couple things from the preseason have kind of piqued my interest even more in terms of how good this team can be. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you had any sort of early preseason opinions or things that maybe you've had your mind changed about or you're thinking about changing your mind about so far? Um... I think people might quickly cool their expectations on OJ Ananobi mm-hmm. and not necessarily in a bad way. I think uh, any of those conversations about, oh, can OG make a, a Siakam type leap, I think will quickly dissipate. And I think it's more reasonable to just hope he goes back to at least being uh, what he was in his rookie season, mm-hmm. which was a stable three point shooter. Um, and a fifth option on the offensive end, and a very good defender, and that can you know lock up or at least hold his own against the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. He looked really, really so, good. 
in... He, he looked really good defensively. Yeah. Um, yeah. Offensively, no, offense, not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's where maybe people will sort of cool the Jets, and I think that might be a good thing. Uh, and the other thing that probably... Uh, that The other thing that stood out to me was probably the fact that uh, the Raptors have a pretty good offense. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I know there's a lot of concern, uh, at least on my end, about the lack of three-point shooting, but I think... Uh, there's a very natural flow to it. You look at, you know, even someone like Siakam, he doesn't really need the ball. He's not. It's not like he's taking the air out of the ball um, to get his points, right? He, he sort of gets it within the flow of the offense. So I think it lends towards the Raptors being able to operate at a pretty high level on that end. And you expect um, them to be a top 10 defensive team, if not a top five. Mm-hmm. On, yeah, I think if there's there's a couple of things. First of all, I'm a little bit more in on the idea of Siakam being able to sort of transfer over his efficiency at least reasonably well. I was concerned about that for sure uh, going into it, but if he's going to knock down threes and take them from above the break with confidence, and yes, it's just preseason against you know half-ass Rockets defense, but I think he looks really comfortable and at ease with that role and not like he's pressing or anything. I think he knows what's on him this season, but I don't think he's going to sort of force the issue and I like that he was kind of in a couple of those games or both of those games I guess there's only been a couple of games I like that he was seemingly trying to workshop different stuff I mean there were a couple of times where he would just sort of take it down to the post and just try to work on his passing out of the post from there he seems like he's trying to round out his game in a really nice way and I uh, I frankly appreciate it and I think that's going to bode well for how he eases into the more burdensome offensive role he's going to have this season and then the other thing, too, as you mentioned, is the offense. I think, you know, I was probably going into the season thinking they were going to be like a middle-tier offense, just sort of thinking of the downgrade in terms of one-on-one talent from last year. Losing Kawhi, that is huge. He's such a great ISO scorer. He can bail you out whenever things get tight. But at the same time, when Kawhi was in town, you know, a lot of the reasons the Raptors' offense would sometimes get tight was tied to the style of offense they played with Kawhi out there, right? And they would get a little bit stagnant. There would be a little bit sort of less ball movement than you'd like to see. There'd be less Kyle Lowry sort of initiating everything. And that was the, the, the push and pull of the entire season. And so I think, like, had they run a more sort of egalitarian-style offense with Kawhi, they probably would have had, like, the number one offense in the league pretty easily. Um, they were pretty close to it anyway last year, but... Like, I think with the style they played two seasons ago, 2017-18, and if you look at that roster, like, you could argue this roster is more talented or more adept to playing that style. You have a passing big man in, in Gasol, which you didn't have in Valanchunas. You have Siakam, way more advanced. Fred VanVleet, way more advanced. You would hope OG something similar to what he was that season. And that was a top-five offense. I think that was, like, the number two offense in the league. And maybe there's a path here. Yes, Kyle's going to be a little bit diminished, but you know, compared to what he was two seasons ago. But I still think there's a path maybe for the Raptors to go back to that ball movement, sort of read and react style of Nick Nurse offense that I think if he had his druthers, he would have run more last season uh, until he ended up getting Kawhi on the team. And you have to change how you play in, in those circumstances. And so I think there's a very real chance that the Raptors flirt with the top five offense again. I'm not saying it's likely per se, but I think it's definitely on the table in a way that I wasn't really sure it would be before coming into the preseason, sort of seeing how everything works. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I'm as high as you in terms of getting a top five op- uh, offense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the, there's maybe an outside path to it uh, if if some guy's really surprised from uh, three-point range. Yeah. But I think two, two important things that you've highlighted there is, uh, you know, with last season's team, uh, what they look like, uh, there was that Kawhi offense, and then there was uh, the offense that when Kyle Lowry was on the floor, right? And um, in those games where Kawhi was missing, and they went seventeen and five, uh, you saw that a ton, and you saw how effective that could be in all those games that they won. And you know, Kyle Lowry missed seventeen games uh, last season, if I'm not mistaken, and they went eleven and six. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some very dicey wins in there. I mean, I specifically recall a game at home against Indiana mm-hmm. where the offense looked really ugly, and they pulled it out at the end um, with, with Kawhi just doing what Kawhi does. Um, but that was probably as ugly as they've looked on the offensive end all, all of last season. 
and so you know again it, it, there's almost uh, a comfort that will come back again uh, in terms of knowing how they want to play uh, when Kyle's on the court when Kyle's not on the court because again the, having a passing big like uh, Marcus All, and then to touch back on into the 2017-18 season that's kind of what they were trying to get Jonas Valanciunas to do right and make those reads from uh, the top of the arc and the high post and uh, so I think that's going to be a big plus. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at uh, the playmaking that DeMar DeRozan provided in that 17-18 season, now you've got Siakam doing it. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see how he handles the higher usage. Um, but again, I think the efficiency is going to be a big thing where maybe he can operate at a higher level than DeRozan. So, uh, yeah, again... I think it's going to be a really fun season. There's there's a lot to be excited about, and I love that there's a bunch of people that are writing them off like as if this team was all about Kawhi and Danny and hmm. kind of forgetting that before those two, they won 40, you know, at least 47, 48 games for the past five seasons. So I expect them to be right there again. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, I don't think it's likely they're top five. I think it's just... A little bit more on the table than I thought it would. I, I would have said there's like a 0% right. chance that they would have one coming in. But having seen how things are going to work um, and seeing right. how good Siakam looks, I think I'm a little bit more bullish on the, the upside of the offense, I suppose, is the way to put it. Yeah, um, sure. One last note the there. Sorry, thing, go ahead. Sorry, I, no, I, I, I think yeah. the interesting thing is um, not to extrapolate too much from a preseason game, but mm-hmm. seeing Siakam take on the defensive responsibility of guard, guarding Harden uh, for a bit, and and then also having to manage the offense. You know what what is uh, his fatigue going to look like yeah. after 50, 60 games of doing uh, that, where he's doing heavy lifting on both ends. Um, so I think uh, I, I think that's going to be the one thing to watch out for. That's a really good point, and I would assume OG is going to eventually take on those tougher assignments. Right, I would think it would make sense. I think OG is a better on-ball defender than Siakam is, anyway. Siakam's a little better off-ball, sort of free safetying it a little bit, and just sort of you know popping yeah. into lanes for steals and whatnot. But um, like, if you're talking about a game against the, I don't know, the the Bucks, like I would rather have OG guarding Giannis than Siakam. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and what, also, yeah. I think Nick Nurse is smart enough to understand that over the course of the regular season. He's probably got more than enough wing depth, at least defensively, mm-hmm. to just constantly keep throwing different looks, uh, and uh, and that should help um, at least mitigate some of the fatigue concerns uh, over the course of the season. Totally. And one last little food for thought thing: in 2017-18, Demar Derozan had a true shooting percentage of 55.5, which is not terribly great. It's pretty averageish and below average for someone who's sort of leading your offense, and that's still ended up being the number two offense in the league. Siakam last season had a 63 true shooting in the regular season, about 54, 54 and a half in the playoffs when he was going through one of the most insane gauntlets of individual defensive matchups that anyone's ever seen in the playoffs. I would say 55.5 is probably like the floor I would put at Siakam for his true shooting this season. Um, And he also offers a little bit more defensively. Not the same playmaking, obviously, just yet as DeMar became, you know, a really good you know, distributor in his later years in Toronto. Um, but that's also just something to chew on a little bit. I mean, DeRozan was not the most efficient guy in the world, and they were still a really, really, really good offense with sort of an egalitarian motion system. I would imagine they adopt that this season with a more efficient top option. So that's where I'll leave that for now. Before we get into some mailbag questions from you, the listeners, I want to remind people that Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, at checkout for Indochino. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Vivek, let's get into the mailbag. We have a bunch of questions. Thank you so much to the people who sent them in. We're not going to get to all of them today. Maybe I'll sort of circle back and get some next week sometime if there's a bit of a down day. Um, But let's get to a few of these here. First one from our pal Anthony Doyle. Are you happy with Terry the second, or do we need a better nickname for Terrence Davis? I think we know my answer here, considering I coined it, but uh, <laughs> do you have a nickname for Terry the second that you would like to be used for Terrence Davis? Um, Terry the second is, you know, it's all right. Wow. I think I need, <laughs> I, I think I need to see a few more games of him. Fair. Two Two more dunks, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Really get to understand him, get his vibe. Mm -hmm. He looks super comfy on the court. That's the one thing that stood out to me. He just Mm -hmm. looks like he belongs on an NBA court. Um, Doesn't seem intimidated at all. Um, So that excites me. But, yeah, uh, I'll I'll wait a few games and and then uh, come up with... A kind of creative name. On the subject of uh, nicknames, yeah, I drafted I, I drafted uh, Pascal Siakam to my fantasy team yesterday just so uh, I could make my team name Spicy V. So <laughs> hell yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. In terms of yeah, it's too early to really for sure chisel in a nickname for Terrence Davis. Um, honestly, I'm not much of a fan of initials as nicknames. But for him, because he was like a high school receiver, or maybe he played in college receiver as well uh, in football, TD actually kind of makes some sense on two levels, which is a little deeper than most initial nicknames. So TD could be okay. Um, Terry the second is a leader in the clubhouse, in my biased opinion. Um, but you know, I'm just glad there's another Terrence to root for, man. It's <laughs> it's really nice. They're very good. Um, there was another question related to Terrence Davis. Uh, will he be in the dunk contest this year? Ooh, will he be? Um, I don't think he will have the notoriety to get an invite. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you when you look at guys like, man, if they could just do one with Zion and Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. And, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. I mean, we 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 know that Zach Levine would just be a bunch of different dunks from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that'd still be fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't think Terrence uh, Davis is gonna have quite the uh, following uh, to get that bandwagon going. That first dunk he put down, though, on whatever poor oh, soul on Houston was so nasty. My God, yes, it was outstanding. Uh, it's a shame he couldn't have crowned Russell Westbrook, <laughs> but I'm sure he'll get some chances going forward. Uh, he was at least cool. He shared on his Instagram story the missed dunk, so that's fun. <laughs> a lot of missed dunks in that game, too, by the way. <laughs> Poor O'Shea Brissett, man. <laughs> oh, my. Otherwise, he looks pretty good, but you miss a wide-open dunk. And shuts his defense. It's really nice, man. He's, yeah. like, very switchy in all the words that Daniel Rue likes to use. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I... I'm trying to think of like who even the best dunker on the Raptors is. I was thinking about this yesterday, watching Siakam dunk, because if there's one thing that he leaves to be desired, it's that he's not authoritative enough when, his, when he dunks. He's very sort of graceful and delicate when he, when he jams, and I find that to be uh, sort of his weakest part of his game. Like, rattle the rim, please. He's had a couple where he's like just like totally soaring towards the basket. It looks like he's going to just thunder it down, and then he just, like, sort of drops it in very nicely and delicately, and uh, I frankly don't care for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I did notice your tweet about that. Uh, Yeah, I think that's a fair enough compliment, but um, 
Yeah, who would be the best dunker on the Raptors? It'd be OG. Um, is it OG think... or is it Norm? OG misses a lot. Yeah, but I feel like in a dunk competition, there's probably more that he could do than Norm. Mm. Uh, you know, I feel like Norm has that standard sort of tomahawk, um, fast break tomahawk. That's that's all I envision when I see him uh, dunking. But uh, yeah, I would probably think OG is the best dunker on the team. Right now. Yeah, Norm's dunk reputation might be a little bit inflated in my mind because I only ever envisioned him dunking on Anthony Davis. Ah, yes. Because that ruled. Um, but yeah, OG, I mean, his college dunks were something else. So, And I feel Ibaka like... has a nice big man style. I will I will say that. Ibaka, yes. Yeah, I and, mean... And he had a very nice dunk contest. Robbed, he was. By yeah. uh, bullshit and a stupid Kia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, OG, I think, um, I feel like he'd be pretty good at a dunk contest too in terms of being creative. He seems like he would come up with some good art dunks. Um, you know, like well-executed versions of the John Collins airplane dunk and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Which is the greatest dunk of all time. <laughs> 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 for for certain reasons, at least. Um, alright, that's good dunk talk. Let's get on to another, uh, a couple of mailbag questions here. This is a very interesting one. This one comes from Pens and Raps at PPG Penguins. How many current members of the Raptors will be on the team to start the 2021-2022 season? It might be easier to answer who won't be. Mm, I think it'll be fewer players than we're thinking. It's that's 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 a big transitional year. 21-22 like just in, just for reference, uh, there's lots of turnover in the NBA. Of the players who were on the 2017-18 team for the Raptors, uh, which is the same time difference we're talking uh, between now and 21-22, uh, only OG, Serge, Kyle, Siakam, and Fred are still in the. Oh, and Norm. So six guys. I think it's going to be fewer than six. I think that's kind of I think that's kind of easy actually, just because of all the free agent. Like I, I don't think Gasol. I don't think Surge. I'm gonna say three. Oh wait, is this for 2021 or 21 22? 21 22. So. Oh wow! Yeah. That's, not next season. Little, not the year right? after, but the year yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was thinking about the year after. So mm. yeah, that is going to be a tough one this is the um, summer after the Giannis summer so this is Giannis is on the Raptors who's with Giannis right <laughs> uh, uh, man that is tough uh, I will go ahead and say OG mm-hmm. um, I will so, say Siakam Mm-hmm. Uh, Man, I don't know if Fred's gonna be on the Raptors. I don't know. Uh, I don't think he's gonna be on the Raptors next year. Yeah. Let alone two seasons from now. I am. I'm actually gonna go ahead and say Kyle. I was gonna do that too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Kyle Lowry will be a Toronto Raptor in 2122. Uh, so that brings our grand total to. Three, because we've said OG, um, Siakam, and mm-hmm. Kyle, and the only guy under contract right now until then is Norm. Yeah, I believe that's his last year. Yeah, he's got three years left on his deal, so that'll be his last season. He'll be a free agent after that season. But Norm is going to be in the uh, Bradley Beal deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think OG will be too, probably, unless Norm uh, is that good this year. Yeah. I mean, Masai is going to, you know, pull off some magic. We know that. Um, yeah, it might be. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I it's think really tough. Three, yeah, those, those are the three I'll stand by. Um, other than that... I think my answer... Oh, what? Uh, 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 I'll give it to Terrence Davis. You please. stole my answer, you bastard. 
I was going to drop that. Um, yeah, I'm going to say three. I think it's Pascal, Kyle, and Terrence Davis. Oh, wow. I think OG probably ends up getting traded, or depending on how the next couple of seasons go, maybe they just like don't keep him after 2021, and like it's, it's sort of a cap casualty. They can't really extend him type of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe if they feel like they're getting somebody in free agency, whether it's Giannis or somebody else. And I know we talked about this as though it's a sure thing. It's not obviously. We're being uh, tongue-in-cheek as we talk about it. But it's. I think it's very possible to get somebody. Um, I just think OG might be a cap casualty. If he doesn't really pop this season mm-hmm. or next, uh, like I well, don't think... I feel like uh, if he doesn't break out, it's almost like a better chance that he's on the Raptors. That's a good because, point, yeah. Because I feel like if he does kind of impress and whatnot, then he becomes more of an asset Yeah. in a deal for a star. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say without seeing what he looks like this season, but if I had to bet now, I would bet against him getting an extension next next year before the deadline. Mm-hmm. I Like, this season's going, like it is with a lot of these guys, I think it's going to hinge quite a bit. Like, his future is going to hinge on this season, but... Right. I, I would bet against OG being on the team then. So yeah, I got Pascal Kyle on like a three-year, thirty million deal or something like that to close out his career, and then, yeah. uh, and then Terrence Davis who will be probably on a second contract by then, and mm. like a Norm situation, something like that. I believe in yeah. Terry the second. I, I mean, yeah. All of the, all of this stuff is so in flux now because. I mean, obviously, I don't want to get into this too much, but uh, depending on how this China thing goes, yeah. you're looking at the cap getting lowered too, right? So Yeah. Although it does seem like the sort of rhetoric out of China is sort of being scaled back a little bit. Maybe they're realizing they overplayed their hand a little bit. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's, so, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to say Pascal, Kyle, and Terrence Davis, and nobody else. <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe uh, Pat McCaw somehow falls into a contract he never really oh, right. earned somehow again yeah I'm, I'm yeah, already yeah. over Pat McCaw dude <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to rehash it because I have talked about it a lot on the last couple podcasts but boy that's not fun <laughs> I mean I think on, on behalf of uh, Alex Wong we gotta answer whether or not Matt Thomas will be on the team oh good point uh, what's his deal looking like? Uh, Matt Thomas is deal. I haven't really been thrilled by Matt Thomas early on. It's two preseason so, games, but he signed a three-year deal. Okay. Worth four million, of which one point six mil is guaranteed. Okay, so probably just guaranteed for this year, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So. So yeah, maybe maybe he's still shuttling back and forth between the nine. Of, no, I mean by then they'll have they'll have figured out whether or not he's worth keeping. He's twenty five now. So yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, you know what, Matt Thomas, <laughs> put him in the ring, Thomas. baby. <laughs> he's, he's gonna be he's gonna be a Toronto Raptor in twenty one twenty two. I mean, it's really important he to have shooting those Giannis looks. Yeah, it's really yeah, important yeah. to have shooting around Giannis. That's that's mm-hmm. key. So, yep. a Lowry. Uh, Thomas, Giannis, Siakam. Insert big man here. Starting five. Fire yeah. it up. <laughs> Not about Bradley Beal, but that's okay. Oh yeah, there's actually a question about Bradley Beal. <laughs> um, let's just get to it here. This one comes from uh, Sarah Remington. Uh, actually, this goes kind of goes in line with a prediction I made on the coming. Uh, preview for Lockdown NBA, which you can listen to right now on the Lockdown NBA channel. I predicted, we had to do two predictions for the season. Mine was that if the Raptors do make a trade, it's to add something and not uh, strip down for assets. And so this question kind of goes in line with that. Sarah asks, top five list of players who you would try to trade for this year or next if you were Messiah and Bobby and what they'd have to give up to give them. This is maybe a little too in-depth. We can sort of throw out a few names, I suppose. Um... She says, guessing one of them is Bradley Beal, and but doesn't think it's likely if Pascal is off the table. We can talk about Beal first. I mean, 
That'd be so a very. This is only players that would be traded for, so free agents don't count, right? Yeah, guys they would trade for in season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, Let's just I mean, talk this season and not next year. Let's just talk this year and sort of go in line with my prediction that if there is a trade, they'll be adding and not taking away. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think Bradley Beal would be at the top of the list. Yeah, he's just really, really good. <laughs> the situation and yeah, exactly. Um, who else could the Raptors potentially look at? It's, it's so many people have moved that I don't even know who's like eligible to be traded. If there's anyone who's even like itching for a trade, like we're still so very much in the dust of what just happened that I don't even think it's really that possible to look forward to what might happen next in terms of moves. Right. Um, as much as the Brian Windhorse podcast tries to make the NBA about trades, this season it might just be about basketball, and that will be bad for that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's just let's stick on Beal for a second. Yeah. We'll so Beal. the Beal thing is interesting because it yeah. does seem like a Maasai type of move to try and go get a star like that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, this is not the Kawhi situation where his value is going to be diminished. I think the ransom it's going to take to get Bradley Beal is going to be pretty substantial considering what we saw stars go for this past summer and yes the Paul George situation was very much a different one than Bradley Beal is under with all the duress facing both of the teams involved and Kawhi just sort of holding his enormous hand over every team in the league <laughs> and forcing them to do, do things um, yeah. like but Beal is going to get a lot in, in return for the Wizards if they like come to Jesus and decide to trade him and I don't know if the Raptors are really going to be in the running if there's a real bidding war for him because I think there are other teams out there that probably have more. Uh, the Pelicans or the Thunder, if they wanted to get weird and sort of go against what maybe their long-term plans seem to be with the trades they just made, they have a bazillion extra picks from teams that are way out into the, into the 2020s. Maybe they can sort of sway the Wizards to do something there because like a Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal backcourt with Zion, holy shit, that becomes real scary and quickly becomes one of the best teams in the West, I think. And then, you know, the Thunder, maybe they just want to try to maintain some semblance of competitiveness as opposed to going in the tank, and they want to keep Chris Paul, and they view the best way to go forward with Chris Paul is to pair him with someone else very good. And so maybe they could, like, flip Shea plus other stuff for Beal or something like that. Um, But, like, a lot of the teams that are going to be in, like, the title race, who you would think are going to be able to put a lot in to trying to make a move like this just because of sort of the, the opportunity with it being a little bit wide open, they're all kind of asset depressed right now. Like the Clippers right. just traded all their stuff for Paul George and to sign Kawhi. The Lakers just traded everything except for Kuzma to get Anthony Davis. The Heat have traded all their picks forever and they have Jimmy Butler and would like to pair him with someone, I'm guessing, but I don't know if a Beal-Butler pairing is the best fit. I think a Chris Paul thing works more for them, and a point guard in period, like period works better for them. Oh um, like and the, What's that? Have Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler as your two leaders. Oh, baby. I would love that. It would be great. I think they'd be, like, be good, but so much, plan. yeah, collapse potential for sure. <laughs> just just screaming at each other in agreement with each other that all the children on the team suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a name that could maybe get interesting uh, is Gary Harris, I think. Yeah, I think the Nuggets are probably the most obvious team. Yeah, and, you know, you look at the depth they have, and then depending on what Michael Porter Jr. gives them, uh, that might be a move that they look to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, his contract's kind of reasonable too. Um, four years, eighty-four mil. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think you know. When, obviously, when you look at the shooting guard position for the Raptors, oh, you're is, talking about the Raptors trading for Harris. What's that? You're talking about the Raptors trading for Harris? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! I thought like a Harris and Porter for Beal would be the one that you were talking about, but huh? Oh no! Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he's someone that could potentially fit the team and uh, can play sort of the Democratic-style offense that Nick Nurse likes to play. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, maybe being in the West and looking at uh, the bigger guys that they have to go up against and Kawhi and LeBron and whatnot, maybe they look at someone like OG and think, hey, that's someone we'd like to have. Huh. Uh, so I think maybe that's something that could potentially work. And we obviously know the Maasai ties with Denver. Uh, so who knows? That's a good one. I did not consider that at all. But not much better you could do in terms of like a Danny Green replacement. He's yeah. been hurt a lot. He's only played more than 70 games once. Right. So maybe you're concerned about that a little bit, but... Possibly. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe I guess if OG's in the deal, that sort of cuts into the potential defensive monster that that team could be. But like, imagine a Harris, OG, Siakam, 2-3-4. Be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Huh. That's it. I didn't think of that. I honestly, I you know, people know me. I don't like really mess around with like trade machine shit. I don't really care very much. Uh, <laughs> I don't find that it's useful. But I don't hate that idea. Is there anyone on like really bad teams that you think the Raptors would like try to if they're trying to make a push for like a three seed, maybe even a two seed if things go super duper well. Is there anyone in, like, a bad team that they could sort of just, like, pry? I mean, the Hornets have only bad players. <laughs> yeah. <it's... laughs> or or expensive, uh, mediocre players. Right. Definitely where you want to be as a franchise. <laughs> uh, you know, I think... Maybe... Maybe a Kelly Oubre? Depending on what happens with... The Suns. Uh, I mean, I, I expect them to be bad, but beyond that, I don't really know. Um, I would like to. There's gonna be a lot of good teams in the West. Yeah. And then you look at the East, and I don't know there, that there's anyone that you really want. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think Otto Porter Jr. is gonna be an important piece for the Chicago Bulls. I think the Atlanta Hawks are on the come up. Um. The Nets might potentially uh, be trying to sort out their roster a little bit in terms of fit and things like that. Yeah. Uh, figuring out what's what and what works best with Kyrie and KD, and maybe as the season goes along, they they identify guys that uh, maybe won't be ideal. Um, and so yeah, like you look at their wings and their guards in general. Like they've got Joe Harris, they've got Garrett Temple. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie can play some too. Karis LeVert, Torian Prince. Um, a little cluttered. Again, got suspended, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe Prince is a guy, but again, yeah. it all depends on how things shake out over the season and who impresses them. How about this? Mm-hmm. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Because mm. the Kings are kind of cluttered by having signed Harrison Barnes, which, like, everyone has panned that move. I don't think it's that bad, really. I mean, maybe there's opportunity right. cost, but you're the Kings. Yeah. Um, and maybe it costs you keeping one of Bo Don or Buddy Heald, which would be bad, I guess. But, um, like, I think the Kings are pretty good. But in the West, I don't know. Like, if they start out and look like they're not going to be in the race for the playoffs because they're just the 10th best good team in the conference, maybe they start to sort of look ahead a little bit and realize we could get something for Bogdan or we could like open up some cap cap space going forward and sort of not have to worry about this Bogdan thing while we have Buddy Heald we have to pay him De'Aaron Fox is going to kick in soon we're going to have to pay him Um, and we have Harrison Barnes and we've got Bagley there might just be too many guys they have to pay there right? and maybe there's there's interest in like just like a trade for some some depth or just, not not depth, but just tra- trade for a guy who they're not necessarily going to use, but will give them some cap space this summer. So maybe like an Abaca or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Maybe that's what they do. Like, I don't know how that. Maybe the Raptors have to attach a pick or something. I'm not sure how the money would match, but yeah, there's something there. Or maybe Terrence Davis really pops this year. The Raptors don't seem long for Fred, and they say, "All right, let's flip Fred for Bogdan," and then they work out a contract with Bogdan having his rights and everything this summer. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing I would say to that is, you know, regardless of how well Terrence Davis is doing, yeah, the Raptors have kind of 
shaded towards having point guard depth. Totally. And the so. Kings I have Corey Joseph too, so they probably wouldn't need Fred. So Right. Yeah. That's that's probably not the best example, but No maybe, but Yeah. Yeah. No, there there's some interesting players out there for sure. Um it'd be interesting to see what the asking price for Buddy Heald is. Yeah. So He's good. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah. Just one year older than everyone thought. <laughs> well, you're also going to have to pay him and Bogdan this summer, right? And so that's, yeah. I mean, that's the problem for the Kings. Is I mm-hmm. guess that's the problem with the Harrison Barnes signing is that makes it more difficult unless they just want to pay the tax, which they could because Vivek is extremely rich. Um, like you could. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to say something about that. Um, yeah, that that's that's an interesting one. I don't know. Maybe like Robert Covington, if the Wolves suck. Although he feels like yeah. he's going to be a warrior by season's end, <laughs> with D'Angelo Russell playing on the the Wolves. Oh man! And orchestrating the worst defense in the NBA with a top three offense with him and Towns. <laughs> <laughs> and Wiggins just being Wiggins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Would a Russell Towns Wiggins? trio be like the worst team ever comprised by three top two picks <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> and like I love Towns I think Towns is awesome I just don't yeah. think Russell's very good and I don't think Wiggins is any good mm. yeah. yeah yeah that would be pretty bad <laughs> uh, you know I, I mean I'll, I'll give Russell a lot of credit for the second half of the season that he had last year totally um, and that that sort of fake uh, most improved debate yeah. that people started having, um, but uh, yeah, no, he he he's come a long way since the Lakers, and at least you know there seems to be an upward trajectory with him, which there doesn't seem to be with Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, man, I wish Wiggins could figure it out. Be really nice. Don't. Anyone jump in with the trade Lowry for Wiggins thing? Because, uh, no. <laughs> that was a thing for a while this summer, and I hated it. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you talking about? Um, well, we've sufficiently gone off the rails from whatever we were supposed to be doing in the back part of this podcast. It was fun, though. Yeah. We traded the Raptors Bradley Beal and Bogdan Bogdanovich, and also Gary Harris. They're flush with twos now. <laughs> Uh, that was fun though man thank you for coming on today's show do you have anything you'd like to promote no I mean Flushwood 2 sounds like a great podcast (laughs) is that like a it could be like a medication if you're backed up too yeah no exactly that's that's exactly what season you know make sure you're watching run it back with Alex Wong and William Liu um, and besides that you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob you guys are so good at what you do over there I, uh, I love all of your stuff it's fantastic support Thanks. Yahoo Sports Canada because they deserve it uh, of course you can find me at Woodley Sean subscribe rate review iTunes Stitcher Spotify Google Play wherever you get your podcasts also, uh, the Lockdown NHL Network is up and running. You can check that out. All of the shows that are up are up. And if your team is not covered just yet, don't worry. It will be soon. You can listen to the Lockdown NBA season previews, which began today with the Pacific Division. The Atlantic Division, with yours truly on it, is on Monday. So subscribe, rate, and review that podcast feed. And stick around, because after we wrap up our chat here, in just a few seconds, there's going to be a trailer episode for Locked On Canadiens with Laura Saba and Scott Matla. They do a fantastic job covering the team I hate the most, and they're excellent. And if you're a Habs fan, and we have a lot of Quebec listeners and East Coast listeners, and I'm sure lots of Montreal fans who are listeners to this podcast, so stick around. You will hear a little trailer, teaser, snippet of Locked On Canadiens that you can uh, then go subscribe to and rate and review on its own on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated when you support all of what we're doing at the Lockdown Network. 
And that is going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, Vivek, for coming on, pal. And we will talk to you guys next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hi, I'm Laura Saba. And I'm Scott Matla. And we are your hosts for the Locked On Canadians podcast, a daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Five days a week, you can join us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, so we have daily content for you on the Montreal Canadiens. And on this show... We're going to be different from your daily podcast. Yes, we're going to tackle all things Montreal Canadiens, but we're going to take deeper dives into things like, what are, can the Montreal Canadiens repeat what they did last year? Can they make the playoffs this year? And many other topics that we're going to bring to you over the course of this season. And obviously, that's five days a week, and we're going to be able to touch on a ton of different things for you this year. I think a big question for this year is, will the Canadiens find a more effective strategy on the power play? Will they be able to do that? That remains to be seen. Can their young stars like Nick Suzuki and Kale Fleury fully integrate themselves into the NHL lineup? And can their previously established players like Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Victor Mete take that next step forward and find another level as they push for another playoff spot in one of the NHL's most competitive divisions? They've also added some veterans like Heath Kincaid and Ben Sherratt. And it remains to be seen how these players will impact the team. It's very early in the season. We're expecting good things from them. And you'll have to follow along with us as we move towards the playoffs and see if the Canadians can build on what they started last year and actually make the playoffs this time. And obviously, we'll be with you every step of the way. And beyond any of that, we're obviously going to take a look at the games. and But we're also going to bring in guests that are going to help us preview some of their opponents or just take deeper dives into some things like their prospects across the NHL or in various leagues, whether it be in Europe or the NCA or in the CHL in Canada, we're going to have many different shows with many different topics to make sure that you have all the information you could possibly want about the Montreal Canadiens. And we'll have guests with varying levels of expertise on all things to do with the Montreal Canadiens. So it won't just be us talking to you. We will bring in some big guns and some small guns, and we'll have a lot of fun just talking about how the season's going to go as it moves along, what needs to be changed. We'd also love to hear from you. This is going to be your show as well, and we'd like your ideas on how to improve the Canadians on podcast topics. We'll be able to interact with you as the season goes through. And if you're looking to interact with any of us in any way, shape, or form, Make sure you're following us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can also find Laura and myself on Twitter at Scott Matla and at The Active Stick. And if you ever need to get in contact with us outside of social media, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Because as much as this podcast is about bringing you the daily content, we want to make sure you have just as big a hand in it as we do recording it. So we're always open to hearing from our listeners. And please... Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Google, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else. We'd love to hear from you going forward. You'll know both of us from Eyes on the Prize, SB Nation's Montreal Canadiens community. And we've had a lot of fun on there talking about the Montreal Canadiens. And now we'll be replicating what we did there in podcast format. So we really, really, really hope you join us. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.